Uh, so we're glad you're with us. Congrats to all those across our campuses for going public with their faith, as well as here at 316. It's always awesome uh, to celebrate with you uh, the new life in Christ, and we are one house meeting location, so uh, good morning to all of our campuses, wherever you find yourself at. We're in a series called Anxious to Matter. It's a series all around purpose, and really the verse that we've used was in the farewell discourse of Jesus in John 14 through 17, the last teaching he would give to his disciples. He knew he was going to the cross. He knew his time was limited physically, if you will, with them. And, and so he would say these things to them, and he used a metaphor describing their relationship. And it's what we've been using as our launching point. It says this, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you, Jesus, talking to his disciples, would remain in me, stay connected with me, abide in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Then you guys can help me with this last part. Apart from me, you can do. And so the gospel's invitation, we're a gospel church. The invitation of the gospel is where sin distances us, us from God and distorts our purpose and our relationship in the here and now, in Christ, and by faith in Christ and Christ alone, in his life, in his death, and his resurrection, that you and I, we are made right with God. Our relationship with God is restored, and purpose and meaning and significance in life, in the here and now, flow from our relationship with him. In fact, the metaphor I used, if you were here the first week, of the metaphor that Jesus used, when he said, I'm the vine, you're the branches, I talked about, think about you and I when it comes to life and purpose. Think about us like this. Like, this is for some of you dudes that got a shop out back. This is a drop cord. Others of us we know is extension cord. It works as both. But the whole purpose of this extension cord is extension cords of no use unless, first of all, it is connected to a power source. Jesus says, I am the vine, the power source. You are the branches. If you remain... Stay connected to me, whatever you're connected with, right? Whatever you're contributing to will bear much fruit. And what we said was purpose, easy, and meaning and significance in life comes between our connection with God through Christ Jesus, our relationship with God, and our contribution to the here and now. It's your wired, whatever your profession, whatever your gift, and whatever your talent, whatever your story, that you are God's workmanship. And you've been created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he's prepared in advance for you to do. Now, where we ended last week was simply this. In our time, purpose for many people is tied to their production. You want to know if you got purpose? You want to know if your life matters? You want to know if you got meaning? Show me what you've done. Show me what you've accomplished. Show me what you've accumulated. And what we said was nothing wrong with busy. When busy becomes hurry, we got problems. But in a culture of productivity, our reminder was you were not first and foremost meant to be somebody, but you were first and foremost meant to know somebody. And so let me end, and by end, take you to the next week. And let me say this. What if, for many of us, when it comes to purpose and significance, the issue is not are we connected to Christ. And many of you in this room would say, no, man, I'm not perfect, but I'm telling you, Jason, I'm following Jesus. I don't get it right all the time, but I pray, 
and the Word's a part of my life, and I'm at this church, and I'm connected in a group, or, or we're just coming and we've made the decision this is the place we're going to be at, the issue in my life is not am I connected to the source. I'm connected. The issue in my life is the fruit that I so want to see, the purpose and the meaning, the love, the joy, the peace, the things I want to see in my life, I'm not seeing. The fruit I desire is not the fruit I see. Apart from me, you can do nothing, but Jason, I'm connected to him, and the fruit I want to see in my life, the, the purpose and the meaning, like, what do you mean? The career path I'm on has really become the job I have. That's basically my career path. And it's hard to find meaning and purpose when the career path I'm on has become the job I have, and I need the job I have to pay the bills that I got. Or maybe where I thought our family would be in this season, maybe where I thought our family would be in this situation is not where our family is. And the idea of what we're walking through, the idea of this season, man, purpose. And maybe my health, where my health is, has just become a way of being and I ask God to heal or, or try to kind of get my health to line and nothing seems to be changing and my health has become and is what it is. And so the purpose and like, how does that work. And for some of us, the marriage that I'm in, I've always heard it takes two to tango. Like you can't tango with one, it takes two, right? Write that down, right? <laughs> Not necessarily theology, but it just works right there. What I'm telling you is the two of us are on the same page. And so our marriage is kind of what it is. And that's the reason we're back here. We don't like to really advertise it, but there's some things and we kind of both know it. In fact, it's getting awkward while you say this because we're sitting here. What I would tell you is when you get to a place in life where what you want from life, what you desire in this season, what you desire in this time is not what you're experiencing, you and I get to a place of discouragement. And many of us this morning would say, man, I'm actually doing pretty well right now. I'm not discouraged, but you've been there. Where you're disheartened. Right? You've been there where you're disheartened. And many of us know people in our life their friends and their families. I'm going to undo this because y'all know well as I do. I'll end up on that floor right there as I get moving around here in a second. You got friends and you got family that, that right now, when you think the word discouragement, you think of them. They're just disheartened. They're just discouraged. And others of us, we would raise our hand and go, really, where we're at with the job that we have and the place that we're in, the family dynamics that we're dealing with, the relational carnage that's going on, all the stuff that we got, yeah. Some of us raise your hand and go, yeah, we're discouraged. And if I were to put a mathematic equation to discouragement, if you're taking notes across Bethlehem Church, it kind of tell you how discouragement, how we end up using a mathematic equation. Again, this is just me. If you would factor in this disappointment plus time equals discouragement. If you're taking notes, across our campuses, disappointment Plus time. What do you mean? We've all had disappointing days, but when you start stacking those days, we get discouraged. We've all got disappointing news, disheartening news, but when all the news that seems to be coming to us or directed at us is disappointing, we get discouraged. We've all been disappointed in somebody, but isn't it funny how over time somebody seems to become everybody? Because it's one after the next, especially when you work with people. And you were, you know, and we just get discouraged. And dis disappointment's an event. Disappointment's a moment. Disappointment's news. Discouragement's a place we live in. Discouragement's a sense we get to. So here's the second thing I would say. 
why I'm talking about this for a second is purpose, and what this whole series is about, purpose in life gets really distant, seems really distant when we settle into a place of discouragement. I was listening, this will date me, I'm, I wasn't born in this year, but some of you looking around, a lot of you weren't, but some of you were. 1971, you remember the song, the famous R&B song by Marvin Gaye, When You Can't Figure Out What's Going Okay, there you go. What's going on? I heard that this week and I thought, yeah, when you can't figure out what's going on, <laughs> we get discouraged. When our way isn't working, or what if I say it this way, when things aren't working our way, we get discouraged. And if I were to define discouraged because it's broad and we all kind of know what I'm talking about, but a place you get into your life with your job, in your marriage, in your parenting, financially, even in your faith journey, where you are discouraged. Let me tell you what's going on. Here's it defined. Discouragement defined as a place when you, you have a loss of confidence and enthusiasm. A loss of confidence and enthusiasm. I remember fifth grade. Anybody ever do the spelling bee coming up, elementary school, spelling bee? I was second at my school. I was the alternative. I didn't win, but I was going to the county championship if the other guy got taken out, right? If that other dude, if something happened to him, this bad boy was going, right? Didn't go, though. He was fine. For whatever reason, he lost. I would have won, but whatever. Okay. No, I'm kidding. Well, here's the deal. If you ever take a spelling bee, if you've ever seen a spelling bee and you need to buy a little bit of time, what do you do? Ask for it to be put into a sentence. Would you please put that word in a sentence? So to make sure we're on the same page, let me put discouragement in a sentence. When nothing changed between the mother and her teenage daughter, she, the mom, struggled not to give in to discouragement. Discouragement sets in when what we are experiencing is different than what we expected. That's the nature of discouragement. If you got your Bibles, John 11. For just a minute, I want to walk you into a scene with Mary and Martha, the friends of Jesus, the two sisters that we left off on last week, and I want to walk you into a scene of purpose and discouragement. Because it seems distant when we're not quite sure, right? Like the idea of purpose and significance and meaning when we walk into a place or we find our place in life where we're discouraged, that seems distant. Walk you to the scene. Here's what verse 1, if you have your Bibles, John chapter 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him saying, Lord, he, who, he whom you love is ill. Mary and Martha had a relationship with Jesus, as did Lazarus. They were friends. You see their friendship pop up, like last week, a few different times throughout the Gospels. Lazarus and Jesus were bros. These dudes hung. They enjoyed each other's company. Lazarus is sick. He's got more than a stomach bug. He's got more than a snotty nose and allergies. He's fatally sick, and his sisters know it. So they send for Jesus. But when Jesus heard it, here's what he said. He's in another town. He hears the news. This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So in this situation, 
Jesus hears the news and says, Lazarus is not, this sickness is not going to end in death and it's going to be for the glory of God. The glory of God. Now, there are other times in Scripture, and you will see in life, where sickness and illness does not get healed, does not change, but those people suffer well, and they follow faithfully while they are suffering. And guess what? God gets the glory as well. So I want to make sure you get this. Hebrews 11, the back part when it talks about famous people in the faith, is full of people who were persecuted, were sawed in two, were hung, were strung up. They were faithful and they were done. They were, that happened to them because they were following Jesus and they all died. And here's what happened. They stayed faithful and God got the glory. Now Jesus loved Mary and her sister and Lazarus. So big you get this. The love of Jesus, and everybody listen to me, I don't know where you're at, Thelot, where you're at in your belief, but in America, we have this kind of health and wealth thing that kind of gets soaked into us somehow, so I need to say this. The love of Jesus does not separate those he loves from sickness and illness in this world. That has nothing to do with the love of Jesus. You live in a broken world. The love of Jesus does not not separate you from hardship and sickness and illness. As Charles Spurgeon, the famed pastor, once said, men and women of God are just that, men and women. They're men and women. So when he heard <laughs> Lazarus was ill, Jesus stayed two days longer in the place where he was. So Jesus says this isn't going to end in death, and he stays where he's at two more days. In fact, you keep reading John 11. Lazarus dies right after this conversation. I mean, Lazarus literally is dying while Jesus is talking to the disciples. He dies. And Jesus shows up four days into everybody mourning because he had died. So let me lean in for a second because I'm going to take you to the scene in a moment. But I want to encourage you. In fact, across our campuses, if you've ever been in a place where you're discouraged, you know someone who is discouraged, at some point, you will be discouraged. It's a real place. I want to say this to you. Delays are not denials, nor are they dead ends. Because if the nature of discouragement is what we experience is different than what we expected, oftentimes we're talking about timing. We're talking about timing. Delays are not denials, nor are they dead ends. Discouragement is the feeling you get when you prayed for days and for weeks and even maybe for months and yet God is silent. You get discouraged. Discouragement is what happens when at work you put your best in. You have character. You have integrity. You put your best in, your best effort. You're there on time. You produce what's asked of you. And you get passed over for promotion and you don't get recognition while the person who cut corners does. You get discouraged. When you're on the team, students, and you practice as hard as everybody else, but you don't get a play, what happens? You get discouraged. When you're good, isn't good enough. And somebody else seems like it is, you get discouraged. These are the moments when we're discouraged, when it's hard to sense purpose, when it's hard to go, why? And significance and meaning, and this all matters. And so what I would say to you pastorally is two things. One, if you are discouraged, it's a real place. 
There's no shame in that. If you're in a place of discouragement, it's real. But what I would encourage you with is what's equally as real is you don't know the outcome. So what's real is you're discouraged. No doubt about it. What's equally real is you don't know the outcome, right? Just because you don't see any purpose doesn't mean there is a purpose. Somebody's talking. Just because you don't know the why doesn't mean there isn't a why. In fact, what does Paul say in Romans 8? Paul kind of chimes in about the love of God and how it shows up in our life. And here's what the Apostle Paul says, probably one of the most hijacked verses in all of Scripture. You see this in Romans chapter 8. I want you to see this. It's powerful, right? Many of you heard it, but I want to say it to us and, and maybe claim it. Here's what Paul says. And we know that for those who love God, love God in the room, raise your hand. Love God in the room. Okay, probably a pretty good chance here at church. You're at least open to it, right? No, man, I ain't raising my hand. Cool, we're glad you're here too, right? I'll be in the lobby. Can't wait to hug you, okay? And so, and we know that for those who love God, what does that say right there? All things work together for the good for those who are called according to his purpose. Listen to me. That's an encouraging verse. That's an empowering verse. That's not an easy verse to live in when you can't figure out what the all things are. So Jesus was late. He was delayed. That's what Mary and Martha thought. Why? Why did Jesus wait? The reason Mary and Martha summoned Jesus is because he could heal. Right? Church, Jesus waited a little longer because he was about to reveal a little bit more of his power. They knew his healing power. That's why they called him. They had never seen his resurrected power. What I've learned in my own life, when I can't figure out a purpose, when I can't figure out a why, sometimes God is getting ready to do more than I asked for. Right? Sometimes when you're in a place of discouragement, let me say this to you. What if, what if you know what you want, it's not what you're experiencing, but what if God's got more for you, you just haven't seen it yet? And what if he's about to take, to, take you to a place you've never experienced? And you're about to see a power of God show up in your life that you couldn't even have planned on. What are you saying? Church, delays are not dead ends, nor are they denials. And what I want you to hear me is just because you're delayed, delay doesn't mean you're defeated. Delay and defeat, discouragement and defeat aren't the same thing. They're not the same thing. So I was in Knoxville Monday night. Buddy of mine, spiritual life director, it's big Christian schools all over Knoxville. They have different schools. And they said, hey, about a year ago, like, Jason, come up, do a parent night for us. We'd love for you to come up and do a parent night at our Christian schools for us. One night. So I was in Knoxville, Tennessee, kid from Athens, right around Athens. So I thought the best way to get into my talk was to talk a little college football trash. So I talked about Georgia and Tennessee for the first one and a half minute. It didn't go well for me. <laughs> Just like if a dude from Knoxville came down here running his mouth to us. Didn't go well. They all looked at me like, who's this idiot? Right? I'm like, he's won more national championships lately than you have. But I didn't say that, right? <laughs> I didn't say that. Then I said, my wife went to Carson Newman, and Carson Newman's a college up there near Knoxville. And they were all, okay, he's great. But here's what I told the parents. Parenting is playing the long game. If you are parenting, here's what you're doing. Whether you know it or not, you are playing the long line. Here's the hard part of family. Can I get a witness? Family is always a work in progress. It's never a finished product. Yeah. 
Oh, he's talking for a minute. Let's just sit down here and talk. Family is always a work in progress. It's never finished product. Like, I like finished product game. Starts here, ends here. Jason's sermon starts here, and it ends here. Relax, y'all, the last service. Y'all just relax. We like that. And so for us, what I would say is when it comes to parenting, if you're discouraged, hold on, it's not over yet. All right, if you're discouraged as a middle school parent, it's a high school parent, hold on, it's not over yet. Now, if you're encouraged as an elementary school parent, hold on, <laughs> it's not over. Hormones are coming. All kind of things are coming. I mean, listen to me. <laughs> The Chiefs and the 49ers last week, into the first half, the 49ers should have felt pretty good about themselves. Dominated the whole line of scrimmage. Not how the game ended. Chiefs um, should have felt pretty discouraged. Not how the game ended. What I'm saying to you is if you're discouraged, you're in a real place. You just don't know the end. So as real as discouragement is, it's equally as real as you don't know the outcome. And I say that because there's a two-sided coin that is our emotions. Sometimes, specifically when it comes to discouragement, what are you saying? Put this down. Something moves us to an emotion, and an emotion is moving us to something. Where we've come from and where we're going in life has a lot to do with how we're feeling our emotions on any given day, whether we want to admit it or not. In fact, the word emotions in the English language, the word emotion that we use in the English vocabulary comes from a Latin word that in its simplest form means to move. To move. So what do you mean? If you're discouraged, that's the emotion you feel. Something has made you discouraged or someone. Something, some things, someone. There's a reason you're discouraged. That's what I'm saying. But discouragement will take you to another place that's not real. Discouragement, the emotion of it'll take you to a place that's not real or reality. So let me say this again. Get on the therapy chair for a second. We're sitting here with Pastor Jason. What I'm saying is if you're discouraged, there's usually a reason you're discouraged. You can point to it. Right? Or something or someone. So you're moved to discouragement. But that discouragement will move you to a place, if you're not careful, that's not real or not reality. What do you mean? Discouragement can move you to a place in your life where you're like, what's the purpose? What's the meaning behind all this? Does it even matter anyway? Why to even marry him? Why to even marry her? Is God punishing us? Is God punishing me? Is God getting back at me? Has God forgotten me? Every marriage that has broken up, every person who has given up, Every company I've seen go belly up. Every person I've ever seen fail. Listen to me. Every church that's been in decline, they all share one thing, the common emotion of discouragement. They're disheartened. They're empty. Pastor Kyle Eidelman, Southeast Church. I don't know him, but I've always enjoyed listening and reading to his stuff over the years. Here's what he says. Discouragement's not an object. It's not something you can see or touch. It doesn't have weight or mass, but that doesn't stop it from holding you back or holding you down. Some of us need to take a picture of that. I see you right there, right? Take a picture of it. 
Look, man, that's the way discouragement works. So Jesus shows up four days late. He shows up to a discouraging scene. They've been disappointed over time, and they are discouraged. So Jesus shows up. In Jewish ancient burial customs, Lazarus would have had his ankles and his hands wrapped. He'd have had about 100 pounds of burial clothes around him by this point. He looked like the mummy, right? That's where Lazarus was. In fact, ancient Jewish burial traditions, what you would find is by this point, uh, they had mourners there. They had flute players, even poor families had flute players that would stand outside while they were mourning over the seven-day process and play flutes. In fact, there were professional mourners. There were professional wailers in Jewish tradition that would come to that. What kind of job is that, first of all? That would come to the house, and while you were mourning, they would cry with you and cry for you. You remember the job? Uh, remember the show Dirty Jobs by Mike Rowe? Anybody remember? I think it was Discovery Channel. The most awful jobs, but somebody's got to do it. Think about being a mourner. That's what Jesus walks into. Hey, y'all call Steve up. Steve can cry like none other, man. And if you get him at your house, right, y'all call Tina down the streets. You get Tina down here, and she starts wailing, and everything, man, it's just it's something else, right? No, I mean, it's awful. Jesus walks into this thing, right? So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Remember, Martha's always up and going. And Mary's always seated, okay? You see it again, right? Come on, go figure right here, right? Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. Jesus said to her, your brother's going to rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said, no, 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 I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God, who's coming into the world. So let me make sure to set the scene up. Martha's like Jesus. If you'd have been here, he would have survived. But even now, I'm going to trust you. And Jesus says, you're going to see your brother. He's going to raise again. And Martha says, I know he will on the last day. I know I'll see him again when we all get to heaven. That's what's going on here. She has no idea Lazarus is about to be raised. I know I'll see him again. Jesus, I'm the resurrection and the life, right? In fact, here's the reason you know Martha had no clue Jesus was about to raise his brother from the dead. You go all the way up to the scene at the tomb where Martha walks with Jesus to the tomb where Lazarus is at, and Jesus says, roll the stone away, right? She doesn't think, oh, boy. Here comes my brother. I'm going to see him alive. Jesus is here. That's not what she says. In fact, for some of you who are old school, you ever heard of the King James Version? Like, you know, I mean, I grew up, man, King James Version, first Bible I ever read. Love King James Version. Let me give you, I think it's one of the greatest verses in all the Bible, the King James Version account of this right here, right? Jesus said, take ye, you know it's King James right there, right? Take ye away the stone." Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, right? <laughs> Pretty good. Man, he's, he's got an odor. You sure you want to do this? He's been dead for four days. She had no clue, but she says, even now I choose to trust you. Now look at Mary. Here's what Mary says. 
Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, and she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Let's settle in right here, church. Both of them are discouraged right here in this moment. What they experience is, isn't what they expected. Let's go back. Here's what Mary says. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Things could be different because you're God. Things should be different. I don't get it. But look at what Martha says. Martha, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But then there's two words. But even now. Those two words. Mary's discouraged. She stated the obvious. Martha in her discouraged says, I still choose to trust you. I don't, what I'm experiencing is not what I expected. And I don't get it. But even now. Church, if you're taking notes, here's what I want you to put. There are seasons when we are discouraged. In our job when we're discouraged. In our marriage when we're discouraged. In the place we are in life, we're discouraged. Sometimes you have to choose faith even when you don't feel faith. You got to choose it when you don't feel. Those words, even now, are words of I am making the choice. I don't feel it. I can't see a purpose. I can't sense a purpose. I don't feel it. But I'm making the choice. To choose faith. Even now that my brother has died, I choose to trust you. Even now that I've been passed over for the promotion and I hadn't got recognition. Even now when I hadn't gotten a raise in two years. Even now I am choosing this is where you have me and this is where you've called me and this is what you've gifted me for. And I am choosing in my job to trust you even now. Even now, when I'm a single parent on the backside of a messy divorce that I didn't ask for, and even now that I'm looking at life and the life I've got to live is not the life I thought I was going to be living, even now I choose to trust you. Even now when my health is failing and I've prayed and nothing's happened and we believed and nothing's happened, even now I choose to trust you. Even now... When I don't want to forgive, but I know my faith is based on forgiveness. And even now, when I don't feel like forgiving him, and I don't feel like forgiving her, even now, when I don't feel it, I'm choosing to trust you, and I'm going to choose forgiveness even now. Even now, when I don't feel like things are going to change, even now, when I can't pay the bills, even now, when I don't see how it's ever going to change, I believe you're the God that can change, and even if you don't, I trust even now. Listen to me. There's a lot of people who would tell you the greatest prayers of faith. Here's the great prayers of faith. You want to know about faith in God? Here's the great prayers of faith. When you're going through something, you know what you need to do? You need to tell God what he's going to do based on what you know he's capable of doing. Don't you lean in. You need to ask God to do this based on your belief that God can do this. Now, I'm all down for it. Scripture tells us to ask us, ask God. Listen, Scripture says all the promises of God are yes. So yes, no doubt about it. Those are great prayers of faith. But my friends, there is no greater prayer of faith than when you choose even now I trust you when I don't understand. Even now faith, there is no pure form of faith and trust than even 
now. I trust you. What are you saying? When discouragement is the emotion we feel, trust is the choice we're invited to make. Not that we have to make. You make your own choices. But we as Jesus followers are invited to make. When there's an absence of hope, we're discouraged. Discouragement rules. In this scene, the center of their hope was Jesus. Right? Church, let me say this to you. In life, you don't get you just don't get over disappointments. You know it. <laughs> I mean, so I'm I'm not the best counselor one-on-one. My staff will tell you this. I do okay at this right here talking to us. Get me one-on-one. Sometimes it's like I don't really know the best thing to say in the moment. Right? And so sometimes when people are discouraged, you've met the people and they're down and out, you just say, hey, would you just don't be discouraged? Oh, okay, don't be discouraged. <laughs> Man, Pastor, that was great. Right? Boy, I need more of him in my life. Right? No, but you know the people. You're down and you're out. Listen to me in church, you just don't get over discouragement. Or excuse me, in life you don't get over discouragement. In life, you don't get around discouragement. Let me tell you what, in life, you will face discouragement, and the only way you get through it is one step of trust at a time. When it's hard to see purpose, when it's hard to sense purpose, like that's where we're discouraged. Why am I in this? Why am I even have this job? Why are we still married? Why am I? Why am I? Why am I? And Jesus' words are, I'm the resurrection and the life. Listen to me. Jesus' words to us are not, I have resurrection life, or I know the secrets of resurrection life. Jesus is audacious enough to say, I am the resurrection of the life. I am. So what that means is if you know Jesus, then you know resurrection and you know life. If you know Jesus, here's what that means. Here's the center of our belief. You have resurrection and you have life if you're in Jesus. In fact, let me tell you why this matters across all of our campuses. If you're a person who is a Jesus follower, I follow, Jason, I'm the guy, I'm the girl. I, I'm telling you, I follow Jesus. I'm not perfect, but I follow Jesus. Hands up and don't you leave them up for a second. All over this room, all over our campuses. I'm a Jesus follower. Keep them up. I know it's going to be crazy. Keep them up just for a second. Give me 20 seconds here. If your hands are up, here's what I want you to hear me say. You're not holding out for hope. You have hope. If your hand is up and you're a Jesus follower, you're not waiting on hope. You've met hope and his name is Jesus. Why do I say this? Because you and I are people of hope. And when we're together, this place right here is a place of hope. You put your hands down. Let me tell you why this matters. Let me tell you why this matters right here. Most people, you know the gas gauge in your car. This is discouragement. Gas full Ready to go, enthusiastic, confident. This is when I get into my wife's been driving. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm at the end. It's time to go fill her up. I'm kidding, baby. I love her with all my heart, right? Jason, I've got 40 miles left. I'm like, okay, well, you're supposed to have 400, whatever, okay. This is empty. This is discouraged. Let me say, can I say this to you? Do you realize, sir, do you realize, ma'am, when you're at a point, people in your life, they know what you're going through, they know what you're facing, and yet you choose to trust. When you have every reason to be discouraged, but you choose to smile, and you choose to have joy, and you choose to trust, do you know what kind of impact you have? 
Like we live in a world where everybody's just out and just empty and discouraged. Do you know you can pick up discouragement by being around other people? It's contagious. Let me tell you what some of y'all's biggest problem in this room is. You watch too much Fox and too much CNN. Yeah, you heard me say it. Take it to the bank. This whole election season, I'm going to come back at you with Jesus. You bring it as hard as you want, and I'm going to tell you your biggest problem is your eyes are on the wrong thing. Get all, all you want to work up, send me the email. I'm going to send you back and say, I'm voting for you, bro. That's what I'm going to send you back. <laughs> you need to say this, Pastor. I'm going to say, you need to say this. Do it. Come on. Bring it. Right? Here's what I'm saying to you. You, we live in a world where everyone's discouraged, and discouragement's a deadly disease, and people catch it. It's contagious. But many people that you meet, many people in your life, they live in a place of discouragement. And when they're there, do you realize the influence you have in their life? When people are discouraged, do you know how much they're open for hope? When people are down and out, do you, like that's an opportunity. In fact, I could go all around this room like I could have all day long in all of our services Thursday night. And there are many of you, the reason you came back into church, I know it's crazy. Some of us, we've only been in church. There's a large part of people in this room that took a season away from church. What? I know, it's crazy. Now, 80%, 90% of this community is not in any church right now. And many of you step back into church, and here's why. You were in a place of discouragement in your life. You were a place of discouragement in your life. Here's the problem in our country, and I'll talk about this next week. Here's the problem in our culture. We're morally in decline. No, we don't, have, we don't think we have any need. People don't, you know, I don't need Jesus. I, I'm good. I'm, you know. But when you get to a point, listen, don't miss the opportunity when people in your life are discouraged to speak truth. To love them in the name of Jesus. There's some of you that are discouraged right now. You're discouraged about your job. You're discouraged about your future. You're discouraged about your family. You're discouraged about your marriage. And I'm going to say this to you. You hear me going purpose and significance. And what you hear is like, oh, yeah, okay. But you're about to give up faith and you're about to give up trust. Can I tell you this? Can I tell you about Bethlehem Church? If you don't have trust, if you don't have faith, if you don't think you have purpose and you don't have trust the fact that God's got you, in this season, I'm going to borrow something that my former senior pastor who I worked under used to say. You can borrow my faith right now. And this is a church you can come to, and this is a church you can gather with, and you can borrow our faith. Because what do you mean? I'm never going to stop looking at you saying, in the name of Jesus, you have purpose. I'm never going to stop preaching at you, in the name of Jesus, your life matters. Why? Because I've met the resurrection and the life. And I'm never going to look at you and go, yeah, your days are done. Yeah, you've missed it. I'm going to keep saying to you, you matter. You've got purpose. Your life matters. Your family matters. Your marriage matters. And here's why. Because sometimes we don't believe it and we need to hear it till it actually sinks in. You can borrow our faith. Let me tell you why we're expanding. We're not expanding because it's easy to expand. You know that, don't you, church? You're visiting with us. You're like, bro, this room's packed. It's a four-day weekend. Room's packed. I can't. You guys are crazy, right? I mean this all day long, every service. Thursday night, packed, packed. Packed, both venues. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you why. We're expanding because we know that there's nothing in this world that has to offer that gives anybody hope outside the name of Jesus. And so we're going to open up more. It's, we're not expanding because it's easy to. We're not expanding because it's cheap. Oh, it's just no big deal. Let's relocate a whole building. 
Let's ask people to give and give generously. We're doing this because at the end of the day, we think the biggest source of hope, the only thing we know that has hope is the name of Jesus. And this will be a place of hope. So here's what I say to you as I close. You don't get to choose discouragement. You're going to get discouraged at some points. Well, you're going to experience in life not what you expected. But in the midst of it, in the season of it, the powerful invitation you and I have is even now. Bethlehem Church is going to be an even now church. Even now. Even now. Even now. Even now. Even now. When I can't sense purpose, why well, don't see it? Even now. Church, will you pray with me? And as we pray, nobody leaving, closing this time out together. Give me the next two minutes. Just kind of take a deep breath in. The Spirit of God is with us in this time. As prayer teams begin to make their way down front, every week we close with prayer teams, and prayer teams are friends of mine. Some of the people are on staff. A lot of them are people in our church that I just trust they pray. I know they pray. They pray for me. They pray for this church. And so with your head bowed and eyes closed, some of our prayer teams are going to make their way down. Some couples, some men, and some women, when the service closes, they're here to pray with you, pray for you. Now here's, with your head bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask you this. Have you ever followed Jesus that is the resurrection and the life? Not do you have religion. Not, not do you know about Jesus. Not, but have you ever placed your faith in Jesus, the resurrection and the life? That you've taken your trust off of yourself and placed it onto the person of Jesus Christ. And when you head bowed nicely, you had that. I want you to know that that's what these prayer teams are here. They're even right there where you're at. You can say, Jesus, the best I know how right now I'm choosing to follow you. That your heart's been pounding and this whole series you've heard and you've never. I mean, right where you're at, you can choose right now. Jesus, the best I know how I'm choosing to follow you. These prayer teams are here. We'd love to pray with you. I'll be in the living room. Here's the second part. Some of us are in an even now moment in our life. We're in an even now relationship. We're in an even now moment. We're in an even now place with our health. We're in an even now place in our job. But right now, when I was, we are Martha, even now. I don't sense the purpose. I don't see the purpose. I don't know how this is going to end. I'm just choosing right now, even now. You're in that moment. People have been in that moment. I just want to pray for you. But I want you, if you're in that moment, I'm not going to embarrass you. I never would. But I want you to be bold enough to go just like Martha, even now, I trust you, Jesus. Even now, it's not what I expected. What I'm experiencing is not what I expected, but even now, I trust you. If that's you, I'd love to pray over you. But I want you to do this. Be bold enough right now if that's you. Say, I'm in one of those moments, an even now moment. Just stand right where you're at, all over this room. Front to the back. You be bold. You stand all over this room. You're in an even now moment in your life. I'm with you, my friend. Stand up. Yeah, all over this room. There's still a few of you tough guys. Some of, some of our problem is we, we don't have any vulnerability. We can't own when we're in an even now moment. Some of you are like, yeah, okay, there you go. I'm with you, man. I get it. Well, I can be hard in my heart sometimes and fight and resist. I get it. We're all there. Even now. Yeah, there you go. All over this place. Some of you in the back, even now. Some of you in the South Venue right now, you're with me. You're in the back of the South Venue even now. 
So, Father, in the name of Jesus, for my friends who are standing up, I don't know every one of their stories. I don't know the entirety of their situation, but you do. And I I pray right now that they would find confidence that they are choosing even now. That they are choosing, like, the purpose, why this isn't working, why we can't figure this out, I can't sense it. What All of the things, the questions, all the stuff floating around them, I pray right now that they would receive the fact that you walk with them and that you are honored, that God, you are honored and glorified as they choose even now. Church, the gospel is God creates, sin distorts, Jesus redeems, and in this moment, I pray the Holy Spirit empowers. That your spirit right now would empower them and they would know the influence, the opportunity, and they do not walk alone. Even now. Even now. 